Patty, uh, really enjoyed our uh, interview today with Josh Holden. I love whenever we get somebody on the Merchant Sales Podcast who actually sells merchant services. That's always fun. And it's also whenever they're so excited, you know? He, yeah, you can feel the passion in you it. You can know? feel the passion in the conversation. I think anybody who's listening is going to come away saying, hey, there's some great ideas that I need to be taking into consideration. Here. Yeah, and really, whether you sell Clover or not, you know, they're right. just really good stuff and just kind of how to sell point of sale in general. And, and of course, a lot of Clover-specific stuff as well. Right. Um, I followed it up talking about um, this kind of disconnect that exists. I've talked about it several times before, but there's this disconnect that exists where companies in our industry will spend a lot of money to buy a portfolio or buy a book of business, but they don't seem to be quite as savvy in terms of deploying their capital to buy new accounts through the agent channel. And so I talk about what you can do as a, as a processing company, but also as an individual agent, what you can do to get access to the kind of capital that you need in order to do the, the types of things that Josh uh, talks about in the interview today. Uh, and then Patty, I thought uh, yours today was uh, your insider's report was interesting as well. Yeah, I uh, talk about fraud and about how, you know, fraudsters are getting bigger paydays. And um, a lot of the technologies that are aiding and assisting us and our clients are also assisting them. And yeah. a, a, a little um, spoiler alert, there's a new phrase out there, fraud as a service. Yeah, there you go. The only um, that's going to catch on, you know, was that going to be FAS, right? Like F-A-S, right? Yeah, right? FAS. <laughs> so this episode, of course, is brought to you by ISOAMP. Uh, you can go to the web and uh, check it out at getisoamp.com. So All right. say we get going, James. Let's do it. Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. All right, everybody. Patty and I are here today with Josh Holden. Josh is the owner at HTB Business Solutions. How are you doing today, Josh? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So Josh and I connected recently. And while Josh has quite the business operation and really is building out his own brand and, and ISO and among other things, payroll and all this other stuff, he is still actively out in the field uh, yes. and mo- training agents, and all of that. And so oh, I wow. thought, let's actually have a conversation with somebody who's selling merchant services on the Merchant Sales Podcast. That would be cool. Um, yes. And specifically, we want to focus on Clover. I know that's an area of expertise for you, Josh. So before we dive into all that, though, give us your story. How did you get into this crazy industry and how did you end up doing what you're doing now? So brief background, um, I've been in the credit card processing industry for 14 years now. I started off at Wells Fargo. I worked there for about six years. It was a great place to cut my teeth because I got to see statements like on a daily, like we got to, I got to see a lot of merchant statements, really understand how uh, interchange work, interchange works, how like other companies price. So it, it gave me a lot of like um, background as far as how merchant service works. From there, I went over to first data merchant services directly. I was in their mid-market division. So I covered all of California for their Citibank relationship. Um, and then from there, I went and became a regional manager for Heartland Merchant Services. And I did that for a year. And after about those three uh, three different companies that I worked for, I don't want to say I didn't like the way that they did pro- uh, credit card processing, but I wanted to do something different. Um, yeah, sure. A lot of the companies out there, they pay off a revenue. And I know that's big for the credit card processing world. All agents want, oh, how do I get my reoccurring revenue? Um, but what happens is I feel like customers sometimes get left out. So I was like, I'm going to start something different. And it's going to be customer uh, customer service, customer base. Um, pricing is going to be something that we're going to go in there and we're going to offer low rates. So I found Card Connect. Hmm. And one of the biggest advantages for me in Card Connect, um, it started off with Ignite. So anybody who knows Ignite, that was, that's where, that, where we got it. And then uh, First Data bought Card Connect and we became agents for them uh, is we don't have a buy rate. So right. when I walk into a client's place, I can offer the same rates as 
Costco's getting or anybody else in the world is getting. And it gave me a lot of like power when I walk into a place and I want to be able to offer customer service and offer the lowest rates. So it, it kind of fits what our, you know, our focus is and what are, what we're trying to offer to clients. Yeah, it's interesting you, you say that. Um, I hadn't thought of it till now, but I actually had dinner with uh, the two people who kind of came up with that idea um, yeah. a long time ago. And I was like, you're nuts. You know, we were talking about it for a little while because it's like literally your schedule A was like zero and zero. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, and then they started talking about the power of it. And, you know, I was like, okay, you know, this is kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, that was the, that was a big deal with Ignite and then, and then, you know, the first date and all that. So yes. yeah, pretty cool. Um, okay. So yeah, that's interesting. We may circle back to that later, actually, but let's, yeah, let's transition to, to, to Clover for a second. So okay. when we talk about Clover, obviously there are like many, many, many different solutions out there now on the point of sale side, like maybe mm -hmm. too many, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> why, uh, why Clover? What was the rationale for going with Clover as kind of a big focus? When we first started it's because they were first data. Like that's what I knew. Like right, I, right. I, I worked at Wells Fargo. I worked for first data, which is Pfizer. Now I, I don't know if I should just keep saying first data, but, um, I knew the product. So it was very easy for me to go in there and sell it card connect. Obviously that's the, their main go-to as far as POS systems go. So I knew the product and I felt very comfortable with it. I would tell you over the last probably two to three years since COVID, since mm -hmm. COVID Clover's, uh, first data or Pfizer spent a lot of money on Clover it's right. become their baby. So um, I feel strongly about it now. And when we walk into a place, uh, whether it's a restaurant or a retail store, I, I feel like we can do anything that they need to be done uh, for their business and how to operate it and run it. So I feel very confident about it. Is that the only thing we go in there and talk about? No, I don't care what they really use. I, I just want to do the credit card processing typically. Right. Um, so if they have micros, if they're using Lavu, if they're using, like, I know we can integrate with these ones. So we just try to go down the path of least resistance. Sure. Understood. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the cool things about Clover, I was thinking about this before the podcast. It's like, if you asked me and said, you know, if you see somebody with an iPhone or a MacBook, mm -hmm. you know, that that's an Apple product. Yes. Like, you know it. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you asked me and said, what are the point of sale systems that have that kind of brand recognition among small business owners? There's only two that I could think of. Right. Yeah. One is Square, which yes. ISOs can't sell. Mm -hmm. And the other one is Clover. And they have yes. this really unique kind of dimensions of the station and whatever, <laughs> right? And yes. I mean, maybe the Clover Flex is a little bit, maybe not as well known, but as far as the Clover Mini and the Clover Station, mm -hmm. they've got their brand recognition. I'm just curious about that. Does that, did that figure into kind of, your push for that, does that figure into the sales process at all? Like what's the power of that in your kind of decision-making? It's funny because it's like a double-edged sword, right? When I go into a small place, like if I go into a retail store who's using a side terminal, right. when you mentioned Clover Mini, they're like, oh my gosh, I, I see that everywhere. We love that. Right. When you go into a bigger restaurant, they're like, Clover, isn't that more for retail or more for mm. um, you know, a quick service? So you have to overcome that objection of like, no, it can do anything that you that you need it to do. Uh -huh. So it, it's hit or miss kind of thing. But obviously, the brand name is big for us. Um, when we walk in, people know what it is. So yeah. and it looks good, right? I, I think it looks yeah, smooth on does. on it the sweet. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that helps. So if you don't mind, Josh, can you give us a couple examples? You know, of some of the business types that you know are really good fit for Clover. And maybe, you know, what, what Clover hardware apps are at the core of Yeah. That. So you may not like this answer because I'm going to say everything. <laughs> I, I, I like every answer. Clover's, Clover's good for everything. Um, 
I mean, we have the biggest knock on Clover for a while was it wasn't great for uh, your traditional sit down restaurant. Right. Like right. that, like, I'll it's tell you, that's my, that. yeah, that's my biggest objection when I walk into a place is, oh, it doesn't do this. And I think it's the, I think it has a lot to do with the people selling it. I, I hate to say that. I mean, when I worked at Wells Fargo, the first, when it first came out, it was a plug and play solution. Like you right. sent them the box, the customer set it up. Um, they, they got on the phone with Clover. There wasn't much customer service as far as uh, someone who did installations going out there and setting it up. So what I did was I was like, I'm going to have an installation team. I'm going to have a guy who knows Clover mm -hmm. inside and out working for me so that when we walk into a place, we have every single answer ready for them. So we do focus a lot on larger businesses. Um, so your restaurants are going to do a lot more volume than some of your quick service. So we do a lot of restaurants, um, sit down dining, uh, you know, I have a client who does $3 million a month in credit card processing on a restaurant. So when someone tells me, oh, it doesn't do big restaurants, I'm like, I don't know a lot of restaurants doing that kind of volume a month um, and seeing that many clients a month. So it right. does do <laughs> everything. Now you can go, you can take it all the way down to the food truck, right? I mean, right. you have your minis, you have your handhelds, your, the Clover, Clover Flex. Flex. Yeah. Yeah. That can do food trucks. You obviously can do retail on it too. And you can use it as a something as basic as a side terminal. I love the fact that it's very diverse in the fact that they have different software plans, depending on what type of industry you're in or what type of business you have. So it, it's very flexible in those, those situations. Hmm. It's just out of curiosity, it's a little off topic, I guess, but like, yeah. you know, when you think about the cost of Clover, um, mm -hmm. one of the other objections that I've heard people talk about over the years and that I've had a few times myself yeah. is like, you know, you have other systems that have this kind of all in cost, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whereas Clover, it's like, well, I want these three apps and I want this, you know, the next thing I know I'm spending 200 bucks a month or whatever on, on right. software. What, what's your approach to that in the, in the, maybe in the sales process? Is it kind of a, Hey, you're going to spend this money anyway, but we're going to integrate everything together. Or what are your thoughts on that? Kind of the cost versus competitors. Again, it's case by case. I mean, it, it really is case by case. Um, I've noticed that other companies do the same. Like, I mean, I, James, one of the biggest things I love about your show is you do go after toast and yeah, like they yeah, do the fine. same. We like yeah. to eat toast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. That was good. Um, they do the same, like Toast does the yes, same thing. Like do. if you've ever yep. gone through one of their statements, and the thing is, is they have a separate statement for apps than they do for their merchant processing. So a lot of reps, right. I don't think see that, you know, right. they just go for the merchant statement and their, their statements are brought out the exact same way. Right. Now, I always explain it like it's a cell phone, right? Like you can get the cell phone and it will do 90% of what you want it to do. Except for if there's certain specific mm. items you are looking for, yeah. you may have to pay a little bit of cost for that. And clients are okay with that. I don't really yeah. get much pushback when it comes to, well, that app costs how much or that app costs how much? Mm. Um, I don't really get a lot of pushback because it, it solves problems for them. Right. I think right. that's the biggest thing. If you show the value and you can solve an issue or a problem for them, uh, they're more willing to pay for it. I like that. That's a really good, uh, the, the phone. That's a good one. I hadn't heard that yeah. before. Yeah, that's, that's a, a really good way to put it. it yeah, I like that. Okay. All right. So so let's shift gears a little bit. We talked Clover. <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk sales. So Yes, I love it. All right. So you get out in the field, you're, you're, you know, walking in again, um, assuming you're going to kind of be looking at selling Clover primarily, any tips you have on the prospecting, maybe it relates to Clover, maybe it doesn't, but like, how do you start this conversation and get in contact with the right person? So, I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't know how many of the, your listeners are do door to door. So we're not, we're knocking on doors. Like it's all yeah. day. That's, that's the job, right? right. Um, 
we have a running joke in our company. Like we're trying to get like 30 no's a day. Like we want to go out there and yeah. uh, knock on uh, business owner stores. So we've over my period of time of doing that, I've, I've come up with a little bit of a strategy. So our initial time we walk into a client's place, we look for uh, four things. Uh, first thing is we want to know what kind of equipment they're using. So that they, all my reps know you got to identify what they're using. Second thing is we want to know what the business owner's name is. If they're not in that time, we, we got to get their name. Mm -hmm. um, we got to get uh, what days they're usually in. So even if you have to like question people, like some people, oh, he's never in or they come in every once in a while, you know, they've learned to say, hey, let's just say you did know when they come in, what days do they come in? Or, you know, some, some try to overcome that objection. And the yeah. fifth one is if you can figure out who they're processing with. Um, we want to get those five things. And on the initial time, that's what we do. And then we get a follow-up. Hey, is it okay if we come back in two weeks? Is it okay if we come back in three weeks? I always, we always end every time we walk into a place with, is it okay if I come back in X amount of time? Because mm -hmm. that next initial time is when we use all that information we've gathered to get more specific about their credit card processing. Like if it was you, James, I'd walk in and go, Hey James, uh, I don't know if you remember me, but my name's Josh. I came in a couple of weeks ago. You remember you're using Aloha POS system with uh world pay. You said I could come in and have a conversation with you. Is this a good time to do it? Right. right then I feel like we get a lot more yeses because I feel like owners feel obligated if they told me to come back. Right. So we use that a lot. And it, when we first started, I found my my reps were getting stuck in, I, I call it the, the initial stage or the first stage. Like you kept going back asking, yeah. is the owner in? Follow is up, the owner follow in? Follow up. Follow. And they don't get to those next stages of the sales process. Right. So this was a way to get past that. Sure. So we go in there and then we'll, we'll have a conversation based off of like the information that we get from them. You know, one of the, one of the really interesting, you know, one of the interesting things I wanted to add to that is... Um, a lot of the, you know, salesers that have been around for a while in this industry, mm -hmm. <clears throat> selling standalone terminals, one thing they really struggle with is they're really good at either a one call close or yeah. kind of a very quick, you know what I mean, sales process. And what they don't seem to understand is a lot of them, they struggle to sell technology solutions and integrated payments, not because they aren't, wouldn't be able to sell it, but because mm -hmm. they don't position themselves to sell it. Yeah. When you're right, when you're going to have a conversation with a merchant, if you position yourself to have a four minute conversation. Yeah. You're not going to sell Clover. You're not going to no, sell no, point yeah. of sale, right? right. You mm -hmm. have in that, and I like what you're saying because it kind of sounds to me like what you're saying is even if the owner is there, you know what I mean? You're probably going to recommend a follow-up. You might say something like, I would imagine you're saying something like, you know, we probably need X amount of time to have a conversation. Yes. Is now a good time or would you rather I follow up in two weeks, right? But it's like, you know, if they have that time now, great. But if not, it'd be better to come back when you have a little more leverage and, and like you told me to come back and now yes. they're a little more obligated to have a, 15 minute conversation with you, Absolutely. which is what you need to have like an initial, right. Do you agree with that or anything yeah. you'd add and to you're that? Also in, wouldn't you say you're also in the position because you have more information, right? Information yes. is yeah. power, as True. they say, but it allows you to come back and have a more focused conversation, right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, things that um, I would say is we, we try to make it a game. So every step of the sales process is a close or a sale for us. Like did we get the appointment? Okay, cool. We got that. That that that's the that deal's closed. You know, did we get like a, a final sit-down appointment? Did we get a chance to present an application to someone? Yeah. Did we get a chance to do a demo? Like all those are steps 
that we are tr trying to close on the way to the final endpoint. Mm -hmm. Another big thing that I would do that I would recommend to any rep out there is get a resume going. Uh, it's one thing that I've found works extremely well for us is we get a list of all our clients. We put them on a piece of paper. We ask them ahead of time, like, hey, is it okay if anybody reaches out to you about our product? Like, I, I need you guys to, you know, if you believe that we've had good service, would you say good things if another company called you? And when we walk into a place, we hand them a resume. Hey, this is who we are. Here's all the people that we work with that you guys know. Mm. And it it builds that trust. I, I always tell reps, if I ever talk to anybody, like the biggest objection we get is trust. Yeah. If you're really presenting good pricing, you're really presenting a good product that you believe in, the only reason they don't sign up is because they don't trust you. Right. So we try to get past that barrier by doing things like we just started an Instagram. All my, my team has Instagram. We do videos with our clients like, hey, this is a new client that signed up with us just so that they like other people around can see, I know that person. I, okay. If they're willing to go with you, I'm willing to try to go with you. So I, that we spend a lot of time trying to break down those kind of barriers. So Josh, that's awesome. You know, so once you actually get in contact, you mentioned this yeah. a little bit of kind of this kind of, uh, you know, game that you go down of, of like the stages, which I love, um, talk about the stage of the demo, right? Like, okay. do you do a demo? Do you not do a demo? When do you do a demo? Talk about the strategy there. Demos typically are only for like big restaurants. Okay. That's when we really do demos is because we have to break that kind of uh, initial thought process of like Clover doesn't fit big restaurants. So um, we will spend time going over the dining app. We'll go spend time going over how to split, like all the basic stuff right. that sure. it can do. Like we'll spend time doing that. Um, we'll get more specific. What are you looking for? Like Clover has a ton of apps. Right. Like the nice thing about it is Android based people make apps and then put them into the Clover market. And it's fits a need that a restaurant owner has. Right. So right. We'll, we'll go, we'll get really specific of what do you need it to do? What are you looking for it to do? Um, Clover in general has a lot of, I want to say security like things that they do to make sure that like clients can still perform their business. Like they've built in cell phone signals. If your internet goes out, you can still operate. It has um, fingerprint. I think the fingerprint scan, uh, owners love that. Yeah, um, yeah. Most owners go, oh, people, like my employees st steal my pin code. Or, I mean, obviously some of them have cards too. You can do cards, but this does fingerprint. They can't steal your fingerprint. So um, things like that, I think clients like. Um, they also have battery backup in them. So they'll come with like a six hour battery. So say world ends, you know, and your internet's out, your <laughs> power's out, and you have a full restaurant. I don't know too many solutions that will still let you operate your business and take credit cards. It's not offline. You don't have to hope and pray that credit cards go through any of that stuff. It will still operate fully functional without, you know, having internet or power. And when you, when you say you, you tell them about this, so, okay, so big restaurant, we do a demo. Let's say yeah. you're not going to do like an actual live demo. How do you, how do you present it? I mean, do you have like a, any kind of materials or something? Or like a flip book or, or something? Yeah. I don't know. Like, um, what do you not, have? not too much. We use the internet a lot. Um, you know, we'll pull up stuff on our phones and things. Um, we don't really have too much of a flip book that we use for it just because everybody knows what it looks like and everybody kind yeah. of has seen it. Like yeah, I don't have sure. to, I'm never in a situation where I have to go into what is Clover. Like they know mm. pretty much what it is. And That's I think that goes point. back to, yeah, what you were yeah. talking about earlier. Like yeah. it's got a good brand reputation. Like people know when you say the word, they know what it looks like. They have a visual in their mind. So we really don't have to do a whole lot of that. Yeah.
yeah. And I see that, I mean, it's, it's, it, it is so popular, particularly in the restaurant arena. I know that's where I first, first time I ever saw one. I was in a little tiny bodega someplace and it was, yeah. Like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> 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 then I had to go back and do my research, but it was mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you talked about apps and yeah. it seems there's so many apps in the marketplace. How do you zero in on what's the right solution for a particular merchant or do you rely on them to know what's the best? I definitely don't rely on them to know what's best because <laughs> okay. they don't, they don't but, know but, what you they know, don't they know. They do have a propensity to go on and look at apps, right? Yes. I know they don't know what they don't know. Um, so it's a lot of in the needs assessment when we fi- figure out what they're looking for and things that they, they want it to do. Right. Um, we, we figure out and then we kind of hone in on what kind of apps we would recommend. Okay. Um, my team does a lot of research on apps. So we'll figure out what do you want to like, we'll ask them questions like, Hey, what do you, what do you need this to do for you to feel comfortable? And they'll tell us, I'm like, all right, if I don't know the answer right off the top of my head, then I have a, we have an installation team there. I'm like, I need someone to figure out how to get this done. Right. Um, right. so we do that. Um, they, uh, it comes with most of the stuff you needed to do. The only time we really have to go to the app market is if it's like a, big extensive restaurant and they have all these different things that they want um yeah we'll, we'll online, have to online ordering in. or uh that, well, that comes right? with it i love that like clover no, online does, ordering does now i didn't know that online ordering um qr codes um pay at the table yeah. all that's included you don't pay extra for any of that kind of stuff that's um cool. yeah so it does come with most of it it comes with a time tracker in there home base is their big app that they use and the it's free for the basic part of it, which I think uh, people love. If you want more HR services, you know, text uh, schedules out, things like that, you have to, they have different tiers for you, but it comes with most of the stuff you need. It's more if you need specific detailed information that we have to go and look at a third party app. That's very cool. Um, Okay. So last step in this kind of flow, I guess would be the installation. (laughs) Yes. Right. So you kind of talked about this and touched on it earlier, but you know, you mentioned you have somebody that does the installation. Two things I'm curious about. Number one is, you know, how does that work? Are you glad that you went that direction versus kind of depending more on Clover? Um, Is there still kind of a little bit of a back and forth? I would imagine you still need some things from Clover. You know, so I'm curious about how you kind of structured that. Um, And then the other thing would be, what kind of time frame? I mean, this person who's actually pretty good at it, I mean, they go out and they spend a day or they spend an hour, they spend 10 minutes, you know, like what does a typical installation look like for a small versus maybe a large restaurant? So give us a little context on that stage of things. So small restaurants, I mean, usually a day, we constantly check up like probably for almost the rest of the week, we'll, we'll go in there and you, it gets shorter and shorter and shorter how, how long we actually have to spend time in there. But I try to do everything. Like our team does everything. I don't rely on Clover for much um, because I think that's what the client wants. That's what the client, is. like they, yeah, they no want, want those sure. things. They want yeah. in, in store customer service. I, I, and I, I'm sure like you guys, like when I go and sell something, I think of it like, what if I was buying this product? What would I want to see? Sure. What makes me feel the most comfortable? So we spend a lot at large restaurants, short, small restaurants. We treat them all the same. Um, but I tell people like, hey, we'll be here for a week, two weeks. My guy will come in here and, you know, sit here, set up his computer. He can do other office stuff, but he'll be here if there's a situation that pops up that you need instant help with. Um, and I would tell people, if you run your own agency, I would spend more money on support. Support mm-hmm. separates you from everybody else. Like yeah. our clients stay with us for a long period of time because I feel like we answer the phone when they need us. Like 
I mean, we have a running joke. Well, one of one of our clients, a large restaurant, they do about a million dollars a month in credit card processing, a big restaurant. They have Clover in their situation. We spend a couple of weeks out there with them doing the installation setup and all that. Um, they everybody in their management staff had to uh, go to a certain wedding one day. They asked us to come in there and run the restaurant. My guy went in there, ran the restaurant for an entire day, did close out, did everything for them. And we don't charge <laughs> extra for that. Like, it's just the customer service. Like, we get yeah. to know their restaurant so well. So when a customer, if they do have something that they need to figure out, our people already know what's going on inside the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, but typical setup, like, we get it done in, like, a couple hours, and then we just stay and hang out and fix things as they as they come along. Right, and just kind of follow up with them. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Okay, so last question for you. A little bit off the wall, but just curious. Yeah. For those agents that are listening that maybe are selling Clover, they're thinking about selling Clover. Um, what would be one tip if you had anything else maybe you didn't mention already, or maybe you did, but what's like one tip that really stands out to you that as you see other people that are selling Clover that you're like, that's a mistake. You know, you should do this better or something they can improve on. Anything come to mind? Do your own installs. Do not just drop the box off. Like that is the worst thing yep. you could do. I think that's one of the reasons why Clover got a bad reputation is Yep. owners didn't know what it could do. So right. they just set it up and they're like, oh, it doesn't do what right. I thought it was going to do. All of a sudden so, you're, on a lo- you're on a level playing field with square at that point. Yeah, right? <laughs> absolutely. You know? And again, I, I not to go in, but toast does the same thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that, like, you know, it's funny. We have a running joke at our company and I, I, you guys can edit this out if you want to, but like we, we always walk up to a client and say, Hey, what's the fastest way to get rid of a toast rep? And they sit there and uh, think about it. And then I'm like, you just got to sign up with them. Like you never see them again. That's so good, I like, actually like that. That's really, that's that can work one. for, that yes. can work in a variety of situations, not just. Yeah. For, yeah. Like you just never like see it. them again. That's not right. their thing. Like we right. are customer service based kind of stuff. So I would tell yeah. reps, do your own installs. A, it teaches you about the product. B, there's going to be, I don't care what technology you sell. And I tell everybody this, something's going to come up. Yeah. Like something's going to come up. It's not going right. to, a client didn't know to ask if it does this. Right. You're going to have to figure out how to get it done. Um, the, one of the first things was ever told to me when I started Merchant Services is your job is to fit a square peg in a round hole. That is your job. Figure out how to get like, it, figure yeah. out how to get it to work. Yeah. So when you get out there, like play around with it. It's okay right. to make mistakes. Clients understand it. As long as you're the one handling it and they're not right. the ones handling it, right. they'll stay with you forever. So right. I would say get involved with your installs. I love Excellent it. Advice. Well, this has been so insightful, Josh. Uh, before yes. we sign off, just out of curiosity, I know you're out in the San Diego area. If any of our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, uh, you know, just to network or kind of find out more about yeah. what you do, anywhere that you would want to send them to learn more about you and your company? Yes. Yeah, so you can follow me on LinkedIn. It's uh, Josh Holden at LinkedIn on LinkedIn. Uh, Instagram is at HTB Josh. Um, and then also uh, on Twitter is at HTB Josh. If you uh, reach out to me there, I do a lot. Like I tell reps all over the place. Let me, like, if you have questions, I, I, I feel like I've seen a lot. I, I stay very well connected. James, I watch your stuff all the time. Um, I have friends in other, like, high up in First Data. I have friends in Heartland. I have friends at all the different processors. So I ask a lot of questions. I stay really well connected. So if you ever have questions about how to overcome an ejection or anything like that, DM me. I love talking about this stuff all day. Awesome. Thanks. Josh, thank you so much for sharing that with our listeners. Hope you have a fantastic uh, rest of your week. Hey, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Patty. Thank you, James. So, Patty, today, as we talk about our sponsor, ISOAMP, I want to talk about the API for just a minute. 
Okay. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I just had a call earlier today with the, um, uh, someone from a very, very large company that we've had on the podcast before everybody would know them. And, uh, <laughs> excuse me, they're one of our clients that use our statement analysis service through ISOAMP. Uh, and you know, this is a large company and we are their statement analysis department. They don't have uh -huh. one. Um, and so they leverage our, our team for that. And that's a service that we provide. It's fully white labeled and all of that, but they reached out because they, they have Salesforce. Okay. And the question was, can we integrate with Salesforce? Integrate, sure. How do we do that? And you know, the short answer that I was able to give, which I really enjoyed was you can do whatever you want. And the reason <laughs> I can say that is because our API, we spent a huge amount of time on our API our API honestly is probably overkill for our uh, for our solution. What I mean by that is, you can remotely do like anything that you want. You know, we joke about the fact that like if another company wanted to, I mean, they could literally build out our system using our own API to build it. I mean, everything from like editing uh -huh. pricing, right. choosing which proposal template that you want, choosing how you want the margin, even the margin control stuff, which is crazy. Wow. Um, yeah. But let me talk about the two really simple ones that people tend to use our API for all the time. The first one is new lead created. So sure. often for the salesperson, the first thing that happens in the sales process from a technology perspective is that they upload a statement to our system, right? Well, when that happens, if you're using Zoho or Salesforce or Iris or whatever, you know, or HubSpot, you know, you want to make sure that that triggers a new lead to be created in your system, right? Sure. That is trivial. So you can use our API to do that. You can use it through, you can set up a, a webhook through Zapier to do it with our system or whatever you want to do. But very trivial for any developer could set that up in your system, no matter what it is, to say, hey, when a new statement's uploaded to iSwamp, create a lead, right? Okay, yeah. And the second one that's really common is once we finish the analysis, which I talked about last week, could be as short as a second <laughs> if or you're as long fully as automated. Maybe 30 seconds, but yeah. <laughs> 30 seconds, or it could be 12 minutes. It could even be five hours later, if you send us a nasty scan that somebody has to do all the data entry work on, right? But it's going to be same day. But it's going to be same day and it's going to be completed accurately and correctly. But right. whenever that might happen, we can trigger that to also then send a link to your system that would be a direct ah. link into our system to look at that analysis. So think of it mm -hmm. like the agent uploads the, the statement that immediately creates a lead in your Salesforce instance. When right. we get done, it triggers and notifies them through Salesforce. Hey, this is done. Right. They see the link in Salesforce. They click the link and that link's always there. So you can always use that as a reference point to go back to the proposal. Sure. They can edit things and all that. Two other really common ones that I'll mention that the API gets used for a lot. One is when the lead is already created in Salesforce or HubSpot or Iris, and they want to upload the file there rather than uploading it to our system. Okay. We have a very, very simple API to say, hey, if a document's uploaded with this particular tag or whatever, grab that and send that into our system and create a new analysis in our system automatically, right? So that kind of, you know, that communication going that direction is really, really common. Right. Another one that people use that's really common is people go into our system and they'll edit a bunch of things on the pricing and then they want to save the proposal, like the PDF proposal. They want to send that back as a file to their system. Okay, sure. Right? Right. That we can do as well. So those are some of the really common API things. Now, again, if you say, well, I was wanting to do that, James, I was wanting to do X, Y, or Z. I can pretty much guarantee you, you can do can X, do Y, it. or Z. It might take your developers two days to build X, Y, or Z, but our API, basically, if you can do it in our system, you can do it in your system. That's how we built our API. Um, mm -hmm. our, our system really uses our own API to do most of what it does. So you can use our API to do pretty much anything you could think of. 
from your system to ours. Um, but again, the, the ones I mentioned today are just the most common. So if you want to learn more about that, head over to getisoamp.com. It's G-E-T-I-S-O-A-M-P.com, the leader in full service statement analysis. We'd love to give you a demo so you can learn more about it. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you are an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field with James Shepard. So Patty, in uh, questions from the field today, I'm going to touch on a very familiar topic, uh, maybe one our audience is tired of hearing me talk about, but I'm going to keep talking about it anyway, and that's capital allocation. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Always sounds a little bit boring when you say it, capital allocation, just right. turns out to be like the most important thing in business. So of course. Um, I, the reason I wanted to talk about this today is because of our interview we just did with Josh Holden. Okay. And I, I thought about it so many times throughout the interview. And, you know, one thing that always surprises me is that the companies who have resources right now, they don't seem to be wanting to invest those resources yeah. in the areas that make sense. Um, it's, it boggles my mind, Patty, the amount of money that, that companies are spending in this industry for acquisitions, right? So you give me a portfolio and, you know, for instance, take a portfolio of, you know, 100 Clover uh, clients, right? That are active. Okay. And a processor would spend, they would give you probably something like a 35 X right. monthly on that. Right. So, you know, huge return on that. So 35 times the average monthly residual on that portfolio, because it's all integrated payments. They know it's going to stick around for a while. Right. Um, right. get a big processor. That's got a, you know, a thousand clovers and somebody acquires them. They're going to acquire them for a 60 X. I mean, it's going to be, you're going to get right. big money for that Big money. Right. But the same company that would do that acquisition, if you came to them and said, here, we have a Clover account. That's going to generate $200 a month in margin. So you think you're willing to pay a 35 X to acquire the account from a company that already has it. Right. So you're willing to pay, what is that? $7,000 roughly. roughly. Right. So you're willing to pay seven thousand think about that seven thousand dollars to buy that account from somebody else but the agent needs you to cover fifteen hundred dollars in equipment and you need to hire a tech company for eight hundred dollars to go out there and do the installation the way that josh just described and i seriously can count on one hand yeah i can count on three fingers the number of companies i know that would say yes to that request i i understand we've talked about this before it just boggles the mind it really does. It's just unbelievable. And so it's like, where is this disconnect? So um, let me tell you a couple of tips here that, that I think are very, uh, very, very important. And I'm going to keep talking about it until I start to see some movement. And that is, if you are a large company with resources, okay, please understand that buying somebody else's book of business that you don't know is not the only way for you to use your capital. You can use your capital to buy accounts from the agents that you do know meaning give them the resources that they need to close the account. Right. Right. And at the same ROI, like, you know, don't look at it any differently and say, well, I'm going to buy this account from somebody I don't know, who I don't trust, who I don't have the full understanding of their business. And I'm going to give them X multiple. Well, why don't you go to your agents and offer the same multiple for them to help them close new accounts? You can still limit your risk. You can still limit your liability with these deals. Be smart about it, but put the money where you're going to get accounts 
<clears throat> rather than it has to be this one-shot wonder with this these bigger deals. So that's number one. Um, if you're a smaller company, let me encourage you to stop looking at capital as a barrier to success. What I mean by that is a lot of small companies say, well, I don't have thousands, I don't have tens of thousands of dollars laying around and my processor won't give me any money. And so I'm just stuck and I'm just gonna have to sell equipment and I'm I'm the victim and I can't compete with toast and all of this. Yeah, yeah. Victimization, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, it's actually totally not true. Okay. So a couple of thoughts for you. Number one, get more creative about your upstream partnership. Go to your processor and say, look, I'll take the risk on these deals if you won't, right? I've already got 5,000 a month in residual income with you. Right. And I'm trying to close a deal where I need $6,000, $7,000. Okay. Spread it over 24 months, 36 months at 10% interest and take it out of my residuals. Give me right. a loan against residuals. Um, go to the your, your local bank and apply for an SBA 7A loan, right? Your sure. positive cash flow. Right. Um, you're growing. Uh, you know, you're looking to hire people. Maybe you want to, maybe you heard Josh and said, well, yeah, I'd love to have a, an installer as well. Okay. That's going to cost you $45,000 a year, $50,000 a year. If you're in San Diego, probably $80,000 a year, I would imagine. Right. Yeah. Um, go borrow the money from the SBA. The SBA loves to loan money to people so they can hire. That's that's what they love to do. So the whole reason they're out there. Right. Um, you know, you can go to your bank and, and they'll help you with all of this. And so there are plenty of sources of capital in this industry. The bottom line though is, Who's going to take the risk on it? Who's taking the liability on it? And if you're willing to take the risk, you're going to get the reward. So right. don't bemoan the fact that, well, my ISO doesn't offer this or that or the other thing. Well, then why don't you offer it? Right. And understand that if you're willing to take the risk, odds are you can probably find somebody else who's willing to give you the money. Um, and so get a little more creative. Uh, we're in a phase where, <clears throat> excuse me, I really think that one of the main things that's going to separate you from your competition over the next five years is going to be your allocation of capital. It's going to be yeah. how good are you, are you at getting capital and putting it into your business in the ways that matter that are going to truly differentiate. Because again, as Josh uh, brought up, Toast is not doing this really effectively. Square is not doing this really effectively. And one of the problems is for a huge national company, same thing, I could say the same thing, by the way, from all the almost all of the big companies in our industry as well, sure. all the big ISOs. Um, sure. They're not doing this. And the thing is, it's very hard when you're, a national company to cover the entire country with this really custom personalized service experience. Right. You as a local ISO, a local agent, you can provide that. And that's right. something you can do that the big ones can't do. So listen to what Josh just said and understand that you can implement that yourself in your own market. It's just going to take you becoming a little bit more of a business person, not just a salesperson, get access to capital and use that capital to your advantage to go out and get accounts and to provide customers, merchants with that experience um, that they really want. Yeah, that's really good advice, James, because it's all about, you know, proper use of capital. And uh, I, I I think you're right. I think a lot of people that, and no offense to anybody who's listening, but a lot of the people who listen are salespeople and that's right. great and they're great at sales. Just need to add to your skill set and, right. you know, get a little more business acumen. Thank yeah, you, yeah, man. and again, it's like if you if you if you realize you're that's not your thing, you know, and you're like, wow, I just can't do that. Well, then you're gonna have to find an ISO that does that for you, right? Right. So you gotta you gotta know what your options are, but uh, but yeah, hopefully that'll that'll help somebody out there today, Patty. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by the Green Sheet. For nearly forty years, the Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. 
If you're not reading the Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com. Well, James, you know, a new study from the fraud prevention firm CM foresees escalating attacks against individuals and companies, largely driven by AI and advanced automated technologies. Wow. Now, I wanted to bring this yep. up this week. This report just came out. One of the reasons I wanted to bring this up is I'm going to admit to everybody out there that I got scammed myself last year for, you know, what was pretty good piece of money, you know, a couple months mortgages. And, um, you know, I kicked myself because I should be smarter than this, right? But am I smarter than AI? <laughs> you know, I mean, so, you know, and I think this is interesting, you know, the, the, in, the, in our case, in the case of, of, of um, merchant services, you know, the, um, the report um, notes additionally that the current obsession with frictionless commerce has lowered barriers to entry for fraudsters, mm. especially across mobile apps and e-commerce sites. Yeah. And of course, even worse than that is that fraudsters are claiming bigger paydays. Average tickets rose by about 300% between September and December 2022. Wow. Um, the company said transaction declines increased by nearly 11% during the same period. Hmm. Now, the survey also pointed to a new trend called, which I just blows my mind, fraud as a service. We have software as a service. We have banking really? as a service. Now we have fraud as a service. This I have to hear about. Okay. Okay. Makes fraud even more accessible and thus, you know, um, especially frauds that are um, into getting money out of the system, right? You know, as, as happened to me, getting my money, you know, or getting money out of a bank or whatever. And the reasons range from economic hardship to the ease of access to sophisticated tools. And, and they actually have tutorials for novice fraudsters. Wow, um, that's pretty crazy. Isn't it? And, yeah. and to me, this report is especially noteworthy because it comes on the heels of a joint statement from federal financial institution regulators came out to beginning of this year, uh, warning of the risks associated with crypto ass assets, including mm -hmm. scams and other frauds. Regulators <clears throat> said they have, quote, significant safety and soundness concerns. And whenever bank regulators use safety and soundness, they mean business. Um, you know, with business models that are concentrated in crypto asset related activities or um, have concentrated exposures to the crypto asset sector. You know, crypto, of course, has fallen from a peak of about three market value of about three trillion in late 2021 to about a trillion these days. Anyway, um, you know, none of this, I don't think, is um, going to, you know, have a major impact on slowing the adoption of crypto at the point of sale because that adoption's been slow anyway. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. Would you agree? But I really think it's, it's noteworthy to really keep an eye out for fraud, to do whatever you can to prevent yourself and your clients from getting hit because it's, it's getting worse out there. And I do agree that with the increase in automated technologies and AI, it's helping us, it's yep. helping them too. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. 
and we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.